Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. I hope the consumer wins. That's really what we should all be looking at. And from my perspective, if I'm looking at dollars that are going to be spent to enable commerce, and let's call it the bottom of the funnel, if there is such a thing as the bottom of the funnel these days. But whatever we're going to be spending on is going to be for solving that consumer need. I believe those platforms that are going to allow more transparency and start to solve more of those issues right around Zmot, that friction, are the ones that are going to win. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofstetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. Sarah, I was listening to a podcast today of a mutual pal of ours, Mike Shields, and he interviewed Andrew Lipsman from Insider Intelligence. And it was it was all about retail media. And on the show, Andrew shares that in four years, retail media has gone from, from 3 billion to 30 billion in revenue, outdoing search and social in its early years in terms of spend. So let me get this straight. You, an influencer, was listening to Mike Shields, an influencer, talking to Andrew Lipsman, an influencer, and we're talking about this on a podcast. This is like inception influencer. I'm just trying to get the LinkedIn cross shares right now. <laughs> if we remember to tag, I think we'll be, we'll be in good shape. Yeah, retail media is, it's been hot for a while. I was at a client conference last week and they're like, when do we get to a point where retail media is just called media? And I said, maybe we're here. What do you think? Are we here? Yeah, I mean, we're here, but the standards that apply to media have not been brought to retail media yet. And I think in order for us to just call it media, that there needs to be fair and balanced regulations for the collective industry. What do you mean? I think in terms of transparency around the cost of media, reporting, third-party verification of all of these things, that exists in traditional forms of media, right? There's checks and balances, and that doesn't exist right now within retail media. And in some ways, brands, meaning advertisers, are being exploited because when a retailer comes to them and says, hey, you're required to spend 20% more with us this year than last year, and the brand doesn't know what they're getting back in return, I mean, that that's extortion. Well, it's actually pretty interesting because one of the things I find about the Wild West of retail media, which I still think is Wild West, but the lassos are definitely coming, is that each one of them is organized so differently. And if we th- compare like retail media origins to maybe digital media origins, there was almost like the house that Armstrong built when Tim Armstrong started developing his go-to-market motion for Google. 
And then how Facebook ripped on that and Twitter ripped on that and Insta ripped on that, Mm -hmm. Snap ripped on that, TikTok ripped on that. And everybody kind of like figured out the narrative from there. Retail media, very different. Some are taking this Omni approach, like a WMC. Some are a little bit more like, oh, the data and the media and the merchant relationships, totally separate. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to see how the model comes. Then you throw tech into that. Then you throw social commerce into that. Then you throw keys into that. And it's frenemy central. Absolutely. And, you know, I have a lot of empathy for our brands because they're really caught in the crossfire of all of this. And the reality is it's not about doing right for the brand advertiser. This is about driving top line revenue to improve margins and steal market share from big tech. Well, it's interesting to hear from the perspective of a brand because sometimes brands get very excited about tech as that great equalizer. And in other cases, it's just more confusing than anything else. On that note of hearing from a brand, I'm very excited for us to hear from Lewis from Sazerac, who expands on the evolution of Channel Conflict, where it once was and where it is today and where he believes it'll be heading in the future. Let's bring Lewis onto the show. Today, we are so excited to have Lewis Broadnax, Vice President, Global E-Commerce and Digital at Sazerac. Hey, Lewis. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Sarah. How are you doing? Great to be here. We're great. We're so happy that this could work out because we got so much to pick your brain about. Sounds good. Sounds good. You know, as getting to know you, I learned that you started your career in the tech space and then you moved brand side and you're now VP, obviously, leading e-commerce at one of the largest spirit portfolios. For those who may or may not know, Sazerac has over 400 brands, which is insane to think, including Fireball, Southern Comfort, Buffalo Trace, and many more. You know, how did you move from technology to the spirits category? Yeah, Rachel, it's a pretty interesting story. And as I was like preparing, I was like, oh, wow, this has been an interesting journey. The vast majority of my career was in tech and consumer electronics and On top of that, it was really primarily in a direct-to-consumer route to market. I started early on in startups, and I really tended to just gravitate toward roles that allowed me to to build things. I like spreading the puzzle pieces on the table and then working with really smart people, people smarter than me, and uh, passionate people to actually build out those puzzles. Sometimes it's 50-piece puzzles. Sometimes it's a 1,000 pieces. I think the most fun is when you get toward the end of building out that puzzle and there's some pieces missing. That's the true kind of measure of a team and what you've built and how they actually react and make sure that they can get those puzzles completed. Over my career, I think mostly at IBM and Lenovo, we started at IBM.com Sometimes you had a good view of what that puzzle looked like. You could see the front of the box. You knew what you were building. I think as I started at IBM.com, we really knew what we were building. As Lenovo made its acquisition of the PC division, we really got into a point where those puzzle pieces were being created, but we had no view of what that final end goal was. So I think over time, what I ended up finding was Leveraging web and digital to communicate and facilitate commerce was really where I saw the biggest opportunity. 
And that really just came from all of those various projects that we had where we were trying to determine what that final puzzle was going to end up looking like. So if you think about the four big pivots, I think the four big ones were, one, moving from direct-to-consumer to omni-channel. Back when I started, I think we spent so much time in a week-to-week basis talking about channel conflict. E-commerce was the redheaded stepchild. It was the, the evil group that was trying to come in and take over. And channel conflict, which today seems like, uh, you know, why were we even talking about channel conflict in an omni-channel world today? But uh, I think that was one of the big pivots back then was D2C to omni-channel, going from non-regulated to regulated. It's a lot easier to sell PCs than it is to sell something that's regulated. Considered purchase to non-considered, $1,500 PCs versus something that's closer to fast-moving goods. The biggest change for me has been this three-tier system in the spirits industry as a manufacturer selling to a distributor who then sells to a retailer who then sells to a consumer, you're a little bit removed. So as a digital expert, you want to be able to have that direct discussion with the consumer. And that's probably been one of the bigger changes is how do you stay in touch with the consumer by leveraging other levers within the organization and technology. Thank God that pain point exists or I wouldn't have a business. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right, right. <laughs> it's fascinating you talk about the role in the space that you're in now as being more akin to fast moving goods because they're one of the other complexities of spirits as I see it is some are more considered than others. Some are very impulsive. Some not so much, but I think your point on the three-tier system is is a real, uh, and frankly, the antiquatedness of it, but that's not in any of our locus of control. So somebody who has grown up in more of a tech space, what are some examples that you've seen in your career where tech has allowed you to gain that competitive advantage? And you can feel free to hearken back to those four pivot points, or maybe there's something new there. I'm going to go kind of way back because I really think Early on, there were a couple of things that allowed us to stand out at Lenovo. One was, it was really all about configure to order. So this is like customization before today's kind of personalization and customization, right? It was, how do you allow a consumer to purchase a PC laptop with all of the bells and whistles that they want, not what is being dictated by the company? So in that scenario, we had an incredible backend that allowed for all of the math and the iterations of the thousands of different configuration options that you had. But I think on the front end, having that user interface that didn't make it feel like you're doing calculus to just buy a PC was one of the big things. So I'll go straight to back in the day, it was called you know, Adobe Test and Target, right? Now it's, it's Adobe Target and it's part of their bigger suite. But back then, it was really, how do you begin an A-B testing practice to allow best-in-breed user experience for something that's very, very complicated as you try to drive it into a standard, more general consumer audience? It's not, you're not talking to the techies anymore. Now you're talking to a more broader consumer base. So I think that's one of the areas that really allowed us to, to get an advantage back when we were really scaling the dot-com business back then. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. You know, in terms of competitive advantage, I'm sure people are pitching you all day long on ways to help Sazerac business grow. How do you evaluate where Sazerac should be doing test and learns? Yeah, this is another interesting one. So again, I'm going to date myself. You guys know the the marketing technology roadmap, technology landscape map. I think it was called the uh, the Martech 50 or the Martech 100. So back in 2011, I think it was, there were about 150 vendors on that sheet. I just literally I just pulled it up last week to check to see what the current status is because I hadn't looked at it for a couple of months. 10,000. There are now 10,000 vendors that are being tracked in that sheet. And what's really interesting is in the last two years, about 1,000 have dropped off of that list because of either acquisitions or have gone out of business, but 2,000 have been added. So the, the speed at which technology is being driven to actually improve business priorities as well as make it easier for consumers, it's just running at rampant speed. What I really like to do is, one, it all goes back to the consumer. So like to think about the, the Google, the, the ZMOT, Zero Moment of Truth. Where are consumers having friction when they are about to or just made the decision that they're, they're going to go with your product? How do you find those friction points? And then I like to go back to that MarTech chart and look at where are the new categories? So not necessarily always where the new companies are, but where are the new categories that have been created that you can go and start to think about what friction point does it solve for my consumer? Is it a business value add? And how do you start to integrate 10 or 15% of your budget into testing into some of those new areas? So that's really the way that we, we've been trying to approach it is keep aside 10 to 15% that you can then go and test and learn with some of these new initiatives. And is there a guarantee to the business on like, hey, I give you 10 to 15% of the budget. What should I expect as outcome? Those are clean sleep opportunities. You want to have a target ROI that you're going after, but it's really all about test and learn. Is there something that we can learn, even if the return on the investment isn't going to hit the number that you wanted? Is there a consumer insight or is there a data point that you can gather? But always keeping that 10 to 15% of the budget set to the side. So let's tie that back to your point before about how channel conflict's not really a thing anymore. 
if you talk about like, you know, all the different players and there's technology for technology sake and all that other stuff. And yes, the landscape continues to multiply. And that's why we're seeing so much duplication in the market, all this other stuff. Let's go back to channel conflict. As we're sitting here in 2023, where do you see that channel conflict disappearing? And where do you see it coming on back a little bit? So where I see it disappearing, consumer doesn't really care how you're structured internally. They don't care if you've got business units that are focused on online versus in-store. And I really believe as a brand, if you're trying to build a proper brand and trying to build a proper strategy around your business, you have to make sure that the consumer is able to be taken care of across all routes and channels that they want to purchase in. So I think with the advent of more social commerce, social media, influencers, you're really seeing a more vocal audience asking the questions to businesses. Why are you making it so hard for me to shop cross-channel? Why are you showing inconsistencies from your digital platforms to your physical platforms? So I think that's where I see things getting better. Where I see them getting worse, I don't have specific examples as much as just kind of anecdotes. It's really more around opportunities for frenemies to start to work closer together because you're beginning to see some walls being put up throughout the value chain of a consumer product. And where in one scenario, you're going to have a consumer that likes the ability to shop cross-brand, cross-route, and have complete transparency to everything they're doing, you're starting to see some walls that are being put up where you're being forced down one path or another to make a purchase outside of what you probably saw during the peak of COVID. You just mentioned opportunity for frenemies to come together and collaborate. You know, we're, we're just coming off a big earnings week where we saw Amazon's advertising revenue increase and Google's advertising revenue decrease. And one could make the argument that people are moving their search budget out of Google and into Amazon or out of YouTube and into TikTok, right? And so what, what's starting to become apparent is that advertising within commerce and media is a real strategy to offset margins and everyone wants a piece of the pie. When it can impact stock prices, and create these billion dollar swings, do you really feel that the frenemy relationship is in fact going to stay frenemies or will they become enemies? And you're, you're sitting in the middle where both entities are asking you for ad dollars. That was exactly my point, Rachel. You, you nailed it, right? Which is, I think now that we're coming on the other side of COVID, what you were seeing is as frenemies playing much tighter together is starting to degrade. So even though the consumer really is saying, hey, I want to be able to have that transparency. On the other side, to your point, the ad revenue dollars, the the walls are starting to come up a little bit faster than I thought they would post-COVID. Let's go back to your puzzle metaphor. Mm -hmm. What does this new puzzle look like? Are there actually extra pieces that really screw with your puzzle? Or were these frenemies just bridges and now we can just kind of rejigger it around. For example, you know, talk going back to the whole channel conflict thing. In certain cases, to Rachel's point, it is about the ad dollars follow the eyeballs. In other cases, it's the what's the role of Instacart going forward? Who do you think wins in this new almost like rewalled garden puzzle? Well, at the end of the day, 
I hope the consumer wins. That's really what we should all be looking at. And from my perspective, if I'm looking at dollars that are going to be spent to enable commerce, and let's call it the bottom of the funnel, if there is such a thing as the bottom of the funnel these days, but whatever we're going to be spending on is going to be for solving that consumer need at toward the bottom of the funnel. And I believe, and again, this is data point of one, but I believe those platforms that are going to allow more transparency and start to solve more of those issues right around Zmot, that friction, are the ones that are going to win. I think that's a strong bet. It's February, so it is Black History Month, and you're this incredible leader and obviously a person of color. What do you think it takes for our industry to have more leaders like you? Yeah, Rachel, um, Sarah, I don't know that there's a silver bullet. In the macro view, I sit on advisory board for you know large digital media company, and they're doing all the right things, right? They're they've started DEI initiatives, they've hired chiefs of DEI, they're interviewing and recruiting at HBCUs. And most companies that are really serious are starting to pick up those initiatives and run with them more aggressively. But for me, again, I'll give you data point of one. I think it's still all about exposure. If you go to the micro level, growing up, you go off to camps, you're exposed to things, you have focus areas, that's where you really start to drive your your initiatives that you're going to be interested in longer term. So I really go back to myself personally, looking out in the community, finding places where you can expose your role, the types of things you do to a younger audience. So an example I'll give is we have this incredible creator economy that's booming now. Is there the opportunity within those creator communities to expose some of those people to some of the things that are either in the digital martech space or digital space or spirit space or whatever your industry is. So I've always taken like that micro approach, grassroots. The more you can connect one-on-one and the more people within your organization that you can have connect one-on-one, bringing like-minded ideas and like-minded thoughts to the table, I think the better we're going to be. Mentoring, shadowing, bring all those things in. I love it. It's so simple and actionable for everyone. Well, Lewis, What's the bravest thing that you've ever done? Oh, boy. Okay. So I'm, I don't want to cop out on you guys, but I think I might end up copying out a little bit. So one, of course, personally, always having kids, getting married, all those family things. But I think professionally, it does go back to making that move away from a company that you've been at for 16, 17 years. You know, you've got friends and colleagues that you've worked with, you're comfortable with the environment, you've built some equity, you've brought in team members that you've watched their kids grow up. So changing not only industry, but complete total industry change, I think was probably the the most brave thing that I could say. Well, love it. Hopefully Spirits is, is here to stay with you. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you. Thank you both. Amazing to hear Lewis's career story, as well as his perspective on what's currently happening in commerce. And both of these things are thematic to some of our prior seasons. So if you want to go back to season two in 2021, we had Carlo from Lenovo onto the show. 
which was one of Lewis's former colleagues. It's season two, episode 14. And if you want to hear more about channel conflict, three-tier system, just totally nerd out about alcohol, you get to go all the way back to season one, episode nine, with our friend Wayne from Constellation Brands, where he really gets into the nitty-gritty details. If you like this episode, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, share it with a friend. Thank you for listening to Sarah and I. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of True, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice, meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming centre stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcast. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I do hope to see you there.